Welcome everyone to the Design 101 podcast. My name is Amanda Gates and I own Gates Interior Design in Nashville, Tennessee. My company specializes in living a stylish and holistic life. My goal with this podcast is to celebrate all the blessings that we receive from a well-designed life. I hope to introduce you to inspirational people, teach you new ways to live better, and empower you to design your best life through intention. There are many ways to achieve balance and harmony in our lives, but it all starts at home. Join me each month to be inspired, transformed, and motivated to live your best life. Hey, hey everyone, Amanda here, and I'm really stoked about today's guest. I have on today Kendall Ritz, and the reason that I've asked her to come on is because she is an integrative and lifestyle medicine expert. She is actually a certified MD, like a true real deal doctor here, and she owns her own medical company, um, Brandywine Center for Integrative Medicine. And one of the reasons why I've asked Kendall on here is that she is starting to transition her integrative medicine into self-care for women. She's actually starting a pleasure program. And I know what you're thinking. When you hear the word pleasure, most of our minds go to the dirty stuff, right? And actually, she is moving into pleasure for women because women forget to take care of themselves. We have a tendency to nurture everyone around us, right? We're constantly taking care of others and taking care of our families and taking care of our friends, but then we forget to take care of ourselves. So she is starting a pleasure challenge and trying to get women on board to start taking care of themselves and really cultivating this idea of self-care for yourself taking time alone and taking care of yourself rather than trying to take care of everyone else so that you can operate with a full tank. I love this. This is exactly what I'm trying to achieve and create a sanctuary so that we can fill up and give back in big ways. So I'm excited to introduce you to Kendall Ritz. Let's get started. Well, thank you for saying yes to this. I am so excited to talk to you today. I'm so excited too. I'm really, really excited about this. So thank you so much for having me and asking me. This is really, really fun. Yeah. So I, um, I actually started this podcast before everybody and their dog had one. And it's like the cool thing to do now. I started this podcast in 2011. So it's about seven or eight years old. Oh, and wow. um, yeah, I actually I used to listen to podcasts um, about about well I started listening to podcasts in 2005 when it was like really the wild wild west and one of my um favorite um I guess you could call it a metaphysical podcast is by Kelly Howell and Kelly Howell does like all of these theta type CDs and self-care and like she's awesome if you get a chance take a look at her she's in and she's kind of like heading into retirement I don't think she does much anymore but I was like, I need to do this podcast thing and I need to model it like she does it. And like, you know, it was just, she just had all of these amazing guests on, like everything from intuitive healers to naturopaths to um, astral body uh, specialists, um, like uh, grounding specialists, like just the full gamut of integrative health, like everything you could possibly think of for integrative health. And um, she, I actually found her in the nineties and 
It was like secret society. Like I would go to Borders Bookstore and I'd like buy one of her books or her CDs and like I would be burying it in like normal books so that people wouldn't think it was weird. Right. Oh yeah, I hear you on that. And like if you did anything like integrative or alternative or holistic, you know, and the term hippie was not cool like it is today. And so like there was a lot of judgment around it. And so I feel like our consciousness has opened tremendously since then. But Um, But yeah, that's why I started this podcast is I wanted a place where I could um, bring on professionals, have an excuse to talk with a professional about cool things that I love and um, everything from, you know, holistic living to better living to sustainable living to, you know, better ways to enlightenment and self-care meditation. I mean, the full gamut. And so when I met you through Kendrick, I was like, oh my God, she's perfect. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Yes. And I feel the same way. I mean, when I hear you talk about what you do, I'm just like, wow, this, this is something I definitely want to learn more about. So this is fantastic. Well, and the cool thing is, is that um, when we went to Vegas and I got to meet Nick and Genevieve, um, he was talking about Mindshare and I had absolutely no idea what Mindshare was. And he said, it's like this whole, um, they don't call it integrative medicine. It's functional medicine, I think is what they call it. And so it's all about alternative types of healthcare and self-care and things like that. And um, I applied and I got turned down. And so Nick reached out to one of the gals there that kind of um, fields it. And, and JJ Virgin is the one that puts it on. And she's a health expert as well. And yeah. Nick put in a good word for me. And he's like, look, you have all of these people there that are all about this alternative type medicine and alternative ways of healthy living. But you don't have anybody in this event that specializes in the care of your home. You can take care of your body, but what about your home? And then Leslie was like, oh, that makes sense. But like they, you know, and so that's why we're, you know, we're all working with Kendrick for a reason, but like I'm trying to get my message clear. And so obviously I didn't, you know, explain it in an intelligent way because they didn't get it. (laughs) Well, yeah, I think that's that's um, right. Exactly. And I think that's so cool. And it's so um, one of the things that struck me about what you said yesterday was there's there's like this um, extra opportunity to not only have a beautiful home, but have it actually contribute to your physical health and well-being. And I think that you know, people don't necessarily make that connection. And, you know, I wonder if she just needed to hear it twice or in a different way to like really get that and be like, oh yeah, duh, of course. But it's, you know, it's, we, we assume, oh yeah, well like diet and exercise and all the kind of typical health things. Um, And there are so many other opportunities to support health and well-being, which is why I'm so excited about the pleasure piece. Yes, yes. So, and and you're right. I think that a lot of people think that a home is just a roof over your head, and that's why I love what you're doing with this with the pleasure thing. I I actually recorded the intro yesterday, and I was cracking myself up because when I first heard about it, my mind went to dirty things. I was like, "Ooh, pleasure! I like this." And then you know, it was like all about self care, and I'm like, "Oh, I get it." Like, but I I think that um, 
Well, let's back up just a little bit. I totally want to dive into this, but for those who are listening, they're going to be like, wait, what the hell's going on? So let's back up just a little bit. So first and foremost, Kendall Ritz, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited and, and honored to be here. So thank you for having me. So you are a board certified doctor. Let's uh, back up to the point of you wanting to become a doctor. First and foremost, why did you want to go into medicine? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And I really wanted to go in because ultimately I wanted to help people. I wanted to um, help people around the area of health. It was something I've always had an interest in. And I really debated, I really struggled with the decision as far as whether or not to go to medical school because I knew the training in terms of nutrition and in terms of some of the other pieces that I knew on some level were important for health uh, were not really a significant part of the training. And so I decided that um, getting the training wasn't going to hurt me. I was going to, you know, learn a lot, obviously. And even if it wasn't a perfect fit for what I ultimately wanted to do, which, you know, at that point in my life, I really had no idea. Um, it just seemed to make sense. Yeah. And fun fact about Amanda, I was pre-med. Really? Yes, I was. When I graduated from school, I I have a four-year degree in biology, and I got accepted to med school, and I turned it down. Wow. Um, Yeah, I was pre-med, and it it was kind of the same thing for me. My mom is in healthcare. She's an RN, um, and... I really have a healing nature about me. I want to, um, you know, I have like this grand thing where I want to help humanity and improve things and make people feel good. And I really thought that medicine would be the way to do it. However, when I was in college, I worked for a surgery center. It was a um, just a weekday surgery. Like a, um, they worked Monday through Friday from six in the morning till we usually closed around three. So, I mean, we are talking optimal hours here. No right. weekends, no holidays. I mean, ideal situation. They loved me and they said, you know, you've got a spot here. And so, um, I just didn't like it. I, it, to me, it was so limiting and I did I, most of the doctors I didn't like, I actually preferred the nurses And there was just such an arrogance around it. And what I hated was that patients would come in. And to me, the allopathic system was all about um, you either need surgery or you need a pill. And that's the only solution. There There was no other higher thinking. There was no other alternative. It was just it felt very limiting to me. And I had a really good girlfriend of mine who... um which I believe we have one in the group, Diane, Diane, she said it, I'm going to spell, I'm going to say it wrong. Deanna, is that how she pronounced it? Um, The medicine woman. And um, so one of my girlfriends was a medicine woman and naturopath. And she was also a third generation. And her grandmother was Cherokee Indian. And and she had all these salves and tinctures and uh, meditations and things that she did. And I really felt that she was getting better results and really getting to the root of the problem 
um, than just fixing, you know, I felt like what a lot of the doctors at this surgery center that I was working at, they were just fixing um, the, the problem that was coming up, but they weren't really looking at the root of the problem. They were just looking at the symptoms. And so I just made a decision. I was like, I need, I'm going to need more. Like I need more to this. And so I ended up getting out of it. So I'm curious now that you're more integrative and, and you're really taking on a more holistic approach and, and definitely with self-care, did you feel when you were going through medical school that it was limiting or did you not quite know that yet until you got older and into it? Well, that's a great question. And it's funny because as I hear you recount your experience, I can it totally resonates with me. That's very much how I felt in the hospital setting. I felt... Um, like it was very stressful and very kind of, um, you know, putting out fires, essentially, getting people okay enough to kind of ship out home. Um, And there really just wasn't that emphasis on things like vibrant health, optimal health and well-being. And while I will say, you know, what what I've kind of come to or how I've come to view Western medicine, modern medicine, conventional medicine, whatever you want to call it, is that's one set of tools. And there are absolutely areas where that set of tools is great. And then there are so many other ways to approach health and wellness and well-being that are equally valid, equally important, and in a lot of cases, in terms of, you know, health symptoms or challenges, more relevant, more helpful. Like you were saying with your friend, um, who is the third generation medicine woman, she was getting better results with her approach that was different. And I love how it sounds like you in your journey came full circle, and you still are very much um, a healer in your own right, but you are using a, a very different set of tools than what most people are used to when they think about, um, you know, going to a doctor or, or health or disease. Um, but again, very powerful, very effective. And so it's just been a really, really interesting journey as I've gone through kind of the system of medical school and residency, and then I went um, and pursued functional medicine training, which to me really resonated because like you were saying earlier, it really gets more at that root cause from a physiologic perspective. And then even going kind of deeper with it and realizing that there's so much more in terms of opportunity to really support people in living vibrant health and thriving and having, um, you know, just exquisite well-being um, beyond what the traditional medical, conventional medical approach offers. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I just really felt limited. And you're right, it was all, always about putting out fires, immense stress, um, definite hierarchy, which I did not like at all. Yes. Um, it's it, to, to be in a medical setting is absolute teamwork. You cannot do it alone. You are not an island. And so I didn't like the hierarchy. But I, I think that the other thing was, it was like you said earlier, it's just a matter of getting them good enough to get them out the door. 
And I hated that because what I found with Jory, the medicine woman, is that it truly was about health and well-being. And, um, you know, she had severe alopecia for years and she was able to put together this tincture um, that completely restored her hair loss. And Mm -hmm. she had gone to 11 different doctors over a course of like 15 years. And um, I have another uh, girlfriend, same thing, um, Lori, who is also a naturopath, and she had the same experience also with alopecia. And she also went to many, many doctors over the course of a decade, I think. And so there are these other solutions and other things that are available for health and well-being that I I think um, traditional medicine a lot of times poo-poos. And so... I think that that's where I was getting frustrated and I've experienced it in my own life. Um, my other half, David, when he and I met, um, five or six years ago, he had severe IBS, just the worst IBS ever. And so I just started healing him with food. You know, he was Mm -hmm. on three prescriptions. He was a hot mess, totally foggy headed, couldn't think clearly, was sleep all the time. It was just messing with the system. And I said, enough, get off the prescriptions. I'm going to start feeding you. And I mean, here we are five or six years later, and he has no symptoms at all. You know, no foggy headedness. He is not on any prescriptions now. And he said, you know, he he's never felt better. And that was just with food. Yeah. Yeah, what a concept that that food impacts our health, right? And oh, and God. again, another example of of sort of that putting out fires band-aid approach, not great for um and and in many cases not even helpful for some of these other types of conditions. You know, I think of of conventional medicine as being great for you know, a heart attack Trauma. or yeah, exactly like a, a horrendous car wreck. And, and those are the kinds of things where, yeah, you know, modern medicine is definitely the way to go. Whereas with a lot more sort of chronic um, symptoms and, and those kinds of things, there are so many other options in terms of how to support getting your system back into balance. That's going to be much, much more effective than just you know, taking a pill or um, having some sort of procedure. Yeah, and I think that that is, for some people, that's quite an aha. That it it actually because I've been in this world for so long now, but it, it baffles me that you know when when people start to put the two to two together. Like uh, one of the big things with David was not only eating better. But just getting rid of soda, he was drinking diet soda, but he was drinking three or four like massive big gulps every day and just getting him off of that and transitioning him to 80 ounces of water a day, that alone Mm -hmm. made such an impact. And I was trying to explain to him like your cells need water. Yes. (laughs) Your body is made of 60% water and you are not providing it. And so a lot of the migraines and the things that you're experiencing are dehydration. And like, you know, just blew his mind. He's like, I'm not dehydrated. I'm drinking all the time. I'm like, no, you're not. (laughs) Right. You know, I love that because often it is so simple in a way, right? I mean, hydration seems so basic and yet how many people are walking around out there dehydrated because 
yeah, they might be drinking a fluid, but it's not something that's actually, like you said, hydrating their cells and, um, and, you know, might be creating some other imbalances. So often when we kind of strip down and get back to basics, if you will, it's, it's amazing how powerful it can be to really promote vibrant health and wellness. Well, and I think too, what's shocking to a lot of people is that, well, it's not shocking, but we love to overcomplicate things. We love to try to make it so much more complex than it really is. And just the simple act of, hey, maybe you should try drinking, I don't know, six to 80 ounces of water. Just see how you feel, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, what an impact, you know. And the thing is, is that I've been doing it for so long now that um, on days that I travel, like if I have to fly a lot or something, and I I actually try not to drink because then I pee like crazy. um, (laughs) But I can tell a difference. And I can tell uh, there's a shift in my energy system, how I think, like just how I can show up. And I can tell immediately now if I'm dehydrated. But I think so many people get so used to the effects of poor nutrition and how they're treating their bodies that it just becomes a standard way of life. It's just how I feel. And I think they try to blame it on a lot of external things. And then it just kind of spirals out of control where you just, you never really feel good. You're always experiencing migraines. You now have insomnia, um, which probably leads to, you know, a few other bad habits because you're not thinking clearly. And then, you know, you're, what little reserve you have, you're giving, you know, especially if you're a mom, you're giving to everyone around you, your family, your friends and, and neighbors and things like that. And then the idea of what we're about to talk about is the pleasure is like, that's not even on your radar. You're not even thinking about that. And so you aren't even operating anywhere near a full tank. You're basically running on complete empty and wondering why you feel like crap. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting. I always say, um, there's nothing wrong with your body. Your body is doing exactly what it's supposed to do by giving you messages essentially in the form of symptoms that it is requiring more support or different types of support. And we do get caught up in um, kind of overthinking and overcomplicating things. And it does and it can and does in many cases become like what you are describing is what I like to call the downward spiral, where it starts as maybe a migraine and then develops into, oh, now I have some GI symptoms and now I have some skin symptoms. And people kind of run around trying to sort out all these symptoms like they're all kind of different issues or different problems. But, you know, the body is one system and everything within it is interrelated and when works together and impacts you know the the systems impact one another um so when we can kind of dial it back and and reel it back in and kind of chunk down to more what's going on a root cause level um it's so much more powerful but you're right you know when we get into that that mode where we're so many women that i see are functioning from survival mode because their tanks are empty and they're feeling so depleted it is when you talk about or you try to talk about enjoyment and pleasure it's like 
you know, I can't even relate to what you're saying. It just seems so far off the radar. Yeah, it's totally fight or flight. I mean, and that's where, you know, the feng shui really comes in because it's also so important to have your environment really cultivating and enhancing that well-being. And so if there are design details in your house that are contributing to that downward spiral, there are things in design details that can also add to that insomnia, add to that not feeling well, add to heart problems. There are things that could be showing up. And so it's like it becomes this trifecta. You're not eating well. You're not feeling well. Your home space isn't well. You've got a family and friends and groups around you that are just like sucking life out of you. And then you do get like in this fight or flight and now your adrenals, your internal organs, like everything is just, you know, it, it gets to the point to where it can't function. And then all of these symptoms start showing up and you're like, what's wrong with me? Why are all these things? Yeah. And it's like, you're not paying attention to the subtle energies. And I, I think that people really take for granted how sophisticated and beautiful our bodies really are and how delicate they really are. But on the other hand, they are so adaptable that they will continue to, to function as best as possible, even if you're not giving them what it needs. And I yes. think that's what's so interesting about how intricate our systems really are. It's like, okay, well, I don't have this, so I'm going to go over here and I'm going to pull from this. Oh, okay, well, now I don't have this, but now I'm going to, you know, just have anything that it can do to operate. Yes, yes. Our bodies really are incredible. And I love that you brought up um, the work you do and the home and our environment and what a big impact that can and does have on our health and well-being and you know I find that very similar to the enjoyment and the pleasure factor because these are areas where there's a huge opportunity to make in many cases fairly simple shifts that can make a huge difference in helping our systems achieve balance and, you know, beginning to feel better very quickly in many cases. Um, But it's just not necessarily on many people's radar because it's not the, you know, the typical quote unquote healthy living type factors. Like everyone knows, oh, I should eat better. I should exercise more or, you know, um, maybe do some meditation or stress management. Um, yet there are these other opportunities to really make a big, big shift in your health. So from your standpoint, what are some things that you're seeing from women as far as what they're coming in with? Do you see that they are, are, are they trying to take care of themselves or are they at you know they're just so wrapped up in the hecticness of life and you know their jobs and their families that by the time they get to you they're just at their wits end yeah it's a great question and i i do see somewhat of a spectrum but for sure for sure for sure um the overwhelming majority of women i see are in some form or fashion, completely stressed out. Um, Whether or not they are aware of it, a lot of women who I see are, 
you know, they'll tell me, well, I don't feel stressed. And then they start talking about their lives and they start talking about their day to day or they start talking about, you know, their symptoms or their health challenges, which is why they're coming to see me. And, and it's clear that um, there's some form of stress going on, um, which is impacting their health. So, so that's usually how I relate it back to women through stress. Um, but what I see is, you know, when, when we talk about taking care of ourselves, most women I work with have a very limited view of what that means or what that looks like. And so it's usually, am I being good or bad with how I'm eating? Am I exercising enough? You know, maybe am I sleeping enough? And usually they come to me with, well, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. Um, but they're not necessarily even aware of some of the factors like the enjoyment pleasure factor and how much of a role, how big of an impact that's having on their current health situation. Uh, because we've been taught in many cases that either pleasure and enjoyment is a luxury, it's something that is supposed to happen maybe on the weekends, maybe on a special occasion or on vacation. Um, maybe we've been taught, you know, in some subtle way that enjoyment and pleasure is selfish and it's not something that um, I should be, you know, focused on or engaging in until I've gotten like all these other things done and taken care of. Um, so, so that is usually even making the connection between enjoyment and pleasure and vibrant health, um, can be, you know, sort of the, the first barrier to overcome, um, when it comes to, okay, well, how do I translate that into my day to day in a way that is going to benefit my physical health and well-being? Well, and I think you bring up such a good point in talking about pleasure is that I do feel that um, there's this stigma around women. There's there's a shaming around women that um, there's this idea that you have to be able to kind of do it all and, and give back and be organized. And, and it's almost become a badge of honor if you're busy because then somehow you're productive. But if you're not busy, then you're not productive. And then you brought up the point of if you're doing stuff for yourself, it's selfish. Absolutely. I have felt that way. And the I shoulds, I should be doing this. Mm -hmm. I should be working out. I should be eating right. I should, I should, I should. But mm -hmm. says who, right? Yeah. Who, who uh, based on what rules from where? Is this from society? Is this from your husband? Is this from your kids? Is this from your mother? Like where, where do the I shoulds come from? And so I think that this idea of pleasure, women almost feel like they need permission Yes. And then if they do, because I've been here, they feel guilty. Yes. So where does yes. the guilt come from? Why do we feel guilty? So how do you get a woman who feels that her role in life is to nurture and care for everyone else and then, of course, neglects herself because she feels mm -hmm. that pleasure is indulgent and decadent and something that's that not she doesn't deserve? So how do you get a woman that is there to start taking into consideration, you know what, maybe you should take Tuesday afternoon off. Like, oh, that's so <laughs> indulgent, I can't do that. How, how, do you, how do you take a woman there? 
Yeah, great question. And really, a couple things come to mind. First and foremost, it's it's just so important to make the case for pleasure and to really um, first introduce women to the concept that there is a connection and a strong connection. Um, most women can relate to that sense of feeling depleted and overwhelmed and kind of the weight of the world on my shoulders in terms of all the shoulds and the need tos and the have tos. Um, and so it's, it's about recognizing that, um, if we don't start making the time and space in our lives to replenish ourselves and recharge our batteries, all that doing is unsustainable and it can eventually show up as maybe a, a subtle annoying symptom or feeling a little tired or fuzzy. Um, but if unaddressed, if we don't listen to those subtle messages from our body, it will continue and, and the, the message will get louder, so to speak, meaning more significant, more dramatic symptoms or issues. So part of it is really just creating that awareness around the connection and the importance that enjoyment and pleasure is part of how we can recharge our batteries. And that's a requirement. That is absolutely a non-negotiable. Um, so that's number one. And then really what we're talking about here is some pretty big paradigm shifts. It involves, you know, shifting mindset and really, um, like you were talking about, we are so trained and ingrained in our culture to value productivity and doing and achieving and checking the things off the list and the things that we view as success. And it's kind of like... Um, you know, we get into this mindset, like by whatever means necessary, I'm going to get to this arbitrary or maybe not so arbitrary definition of success. Um, but we don't realize that if we are choosing to do life in an unsustainable way, eventually we're going to run into problems. So it really is about Number one, creating the awareness about the connection and the, the necessity of pleasure and enjoyment. And then number two, really delving into some mindset shifts. But I think the best place to start in terms of action, in terms of what does this look like in my day-to-day, -day, is little simple steps that are easy, that don't require a lot of time that feel more doable because the the last thing that a woman who feels like her plate is already overstuffed over full she's overwhelmed she's she's you know frazzled she's exhausted she's depleted or some variation of that um, it's not necessarily going to be um, as helpful to try to get her to do sort of the bigger things first. It's about starting with the, the smaller, more doable action steps, but ones that are, you know, can still be needle movers, can still make a difference in 
how she feels, even just for a few minutes, to kind of give her a taste of what's available. Yeah, I I think that what you're talking about, and we touched on a little bit ago, is this idea that we have just gotten so used to what stress feels like and how that day-to-day feels like that we don't know any other way to feel and that it makes me laugh that you say to someone that they're stressed and they say, I don't feel stressed. Mm-hmm. But they don't even know what that means. They don't know what yeah. stress feels like because that's all they know how to feel. And right. so what I think is funny is is that when you probably start mentioning this idea of pleasure, it probably makes their skin crawl because they probably start yeah. getting uncomfortable. <laughs> but I can understand how it would maybe feel like just one more thing. It's like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, it's just another thing. And, and it, it, that's truly a paradigm shift in mindset because it can't be one more thing. It has to be the thing. You really have to make it a priority and you have to learn what it feels like to not be stressed because if you haven't been there for a decade, you don't know what it feels like (laughs) to be in this idea of pleasure. And my project manager that works for me, she actually is doing this now where she has been, um, for the longest time she felt that in order to be productive she needed to be busy and so she's been adding on more and more and more and more charity work and she's giving and giving and giving and giving and so she is at the point now where she has been getting up at 5 a.m to go to all of these restaurants and places in town to get all of their leftover foods and and things like that to then pass out to various charities Um, for the homeless and and, um, domestic violence victims and things like that. But she kept adding on more and more and more. And it's like, oh, my God, this has become a full-time job for you. And she's taking on all this stress that, you know, she now has to be up at 5 a.m. to go and do all of these things. And she has to distribute all of these products. And they are becoming more and more reliant on her. And she realized, she's like, my God, like, uh, this is a full-time job. It is stressing me out. it's, It's charity work. I'm volunteering. Um, and enough is enough. And so I think for the longest time, she didn't feel that it was okay to not be charitable. God forbid, you know, lightning is going to come out of the sky (laughs) and strike her dead because she's not giving. And I finally said to her, you're being a martyr. And her knees went weak. She's like, I hate that word. And I said, but that's exactly how you're behaving. And she said, oh my God, you're right. And so she has started um, slowly but surely. She has been um, basically going to these places and saying, I'm not going to do this anymore. And they're freaking out. They're making her feel guilty. They are shaming her and making her feel guilty for relinquishing these duties that she's been doing for a very long time. And she's like, you know what? I don't care. You guys are on your own. You're going to have to figure it out. I've been volunteering. You should have appreciated it. You didn't. (laughs) And now you're trying to guilt me and shame me into this. And I feel like that's where a lot of women end up with more crap on their plate because so many people play on those emotions. So when we're talking about adding pleasure, um, what are some things that you often recommend, maybe some small things that they can start doing? And I also want to back up just a little bit, and I want you to explain to the audience what you describe or what your definition of pleasure is. Mm, yeah, great question. Um, 
And and I do want to just say I'm so glad you brought up that example about your assistant because as women, this is such a big, I think, bugaboo for us in part because the things we're doing are good things. These are things we're doing because we have big hearts and we care. You know, we care about our families. We care about the world around us. Yet it's it's so tricky because we haven't been taught to create those boundaries for ourselves and to be able to identify when are we stepping into that martyr role and, and giving to the point where it becomes um, at our own expense. And I love that she was able to recognize that and kind of stand firm in that because you're right, that's, you know, it's when we start to self-honor um, that some people don't like it and they will try to make us feel bad or guilty or ashamed and it's not easy to stand firm in that. So good for her for doing that, but it's a great example of what's possible. You know, it's okay that if you start saying no, it's okay if people get upset with you and and almost, you know, if you expect that they're going to be a little bit upset and maybe try to you know, kind of make you feel bad, it can make it a little bit easier when that happens. So getting back to what the enjoyment, pleasure, what that means, and then and then what that looks like in terms of, of little baby steps. The way that I define it is really any situation, experience, um, any factor or circumstance that helps you feel good on some level and that at the same time is contributing to your physical health and well-being. Um, so, you know, it's it's a, a, broad, a broad umbrella and it can look different person to person. Um, but within that framework, what I found is some very simple, easy, and effective ways to start tapping into what's enjoyable and pleasurable for you is through our physical bodies and specifically through our five senses. So, you know, most of us, I'd say on a day-to-day, through our day-to-day experience, we receive a lot of stimulation visually. You know, we're constantly surrounded by um, whatever we're seeing, whether it's in our home or in our workspace. And then a lot of us spend a good chunk of the day on our devices, on our computers, on our smartphones, um, looking at screens. And so we've got a lot of kind of visual, mental stimulation. Um, so I find sometimes the easiest place to start is some of the senses that are relatively underutilized in our normal day-to-day experience. And and a great example of that would be our sense of smell. Um, Our sense of smell is extremely powerful. Most people can relate to the experience of, you know, having a certain smell trigger a memory from years ago and um, and in, instantly that can totally shift your emotional state or your physiologic state. 
And that in and of itself is an example of how when we tap into pleasure or enjoyment through our physical senses, it can impact what's going on within our body at a very core cellular level that can translate to impacting our physical health and well-being. So one thing that I will recommend is finding something that smells pleasurable to you, that smells enjoyable. Um, that could be, you know, something as simple as pulling a thing, uh, you know, a little um, container of vanilla out of your cooking cabinet if you like the smell of vanilla, which is, you know, very popular. Um, having a little vial of an essential oil that you really enjoy the smell of. It could be having a scented candle or maybe some fresh cut flowers. And just taking maybe three to five minutes and closing your eyes to be able to kind of really focus in on that sense of smell and just, you know, inhale kind of deeply, comfortably, but enjoy that scent that is is one that you as an individual prefer or like um, that's pleasant for you. And just notice, you know, notice what's happening in your body. Notice um, maybe what memories or thoughts that smell elicits for you. And just take those moments to, you know, kind of relax, breathe deeply, and just focus on that scent that's pleasant. And it can be as simple as that, which, you know, usually if you focus on something that is relaxing or that feels good to you or that is enjoyable in as little as 60 seconds you can shift your physiologic state and you can shift the internal chemistry the inner workings of what's going on in your body from that kind of stress fight or flight state to something that's either a, a more neutral version of that or even move into a state that's more healthful and health promoting. I love that you bring up this idea of scent, because in feng shui, we actually to shift the chi around a person, we actually have an adjustment in my school where we change the scent, a pleasant scent in a home for a collection of nine or 27 days, because it helps mm -hmm. shift the energy around you and the chi of your home because it uplifts you. And so again, so simple, yes. not a complex thing at all, but such a profound way to shift in a very simple fast way how you feel and change your mood and I think that people really underestimate I also think that people underestimate sound um, mm. you know when you think about if you're having a bad day and your favorite song comes on or a song that you just really enjoy how it shifts your mood you start singing along you start snapping your fingers it immediately shifts how you feel and I love that something so simple and so easy can shift it that quickly. And I think yeah. that if you can remember that, I actually tell some of my clients if I, you know, like I have a gal right now, I, I mentioned her on the call yesterday uh, where her partner just left. And um, one of the things that I'm actually going to tell her is to put together a list of songs on her iPad or um, her phone 
of, you know, six or eight songs, one after another, that she can play in her house that are, you know, things that she loves, uplifts her, makes her feel good, and also shifts her energy uh, within the home so that she starts feeling better. So easy to do. Yes, and so, so powerful. I love that you... Um, you brought that up because there is such power in emotion and emotion, you know, shifting our emotional state is a great way or even just checking in with our emotional state is a great way to gauge, you know, what's going on internally. And what I mean by that is when we're feeling good, whether that's joyful or uplifted or excited or even satisfied or at peace you know those feel good states are a direct reflection of of what's going on internally and when we are in those feel good states we know that what's going on internally is moving in a healthful direction when it comes to our physical health and well-being. So it's really, really powerful, so, so simple, um, but the kind of thing anyone can do, anyone can fit in. It's, it's very, very doable. It's not go quit your job and you know move to the beach and never talk to your family again. It's very, very doable. Well, and I think that, you know, and, and where I start to, to take it, you know, a step further is, and, and I talk about this in the book, is that it's so, you know, your attitude is a choice. And it can be very mm-hmm. hard, depending on your life circumstances, to choose to feel joy. And I yeah. think when we get caught up in this martyr syndrome, we choose not to feel joy. We feel, we, we choose to feel obligated and shamed yeah. and guilty. And so those are really what I call below the cross emotions. And so a lot of people live in that area of life rather than living in above the cross emotions, which are joy, happiness, uplifted, you know, happiness. Um, And the thing that you have to remember is that especially if you're a mom or if you're caring for people around you, one, in order to give back in big ways, you have to be operating with a full tank, but you have to be happy. And the things that you do for the people around you, you're invoking those things, whether they're um, tangible items or, you know, emotional items, you're invoking those things with your energy, you're sprinkling it around like confetti. And so just the simple act of cooking your family dinner, if you're pissed off, if you're stressed out, if you're not feeling well, you're driving that energy into the food that you're about to give to your child and your husband and your mom and whoever else you're feeding. So I feel like if if you think about it more in those ways and think about how you're sprinkling that confetti around, do you want to sprinkle good confetti or do you want to sprinkle really bad confetti? Yeah, I love that. And it's it's interesting because, um, like I had said earlier, with enjoyment and pleasure, we tend to think of it as separate from our normal life. Like maybe it's a anniversary or a vacation or something fun on the weekend. Indulgent. Exactly. But if we start to ask ourselves, like, let's say that mom is cooking dinner for her family. How can I enjoy this experience more? How can I make this more fun? If I turn on a little upbeat music, if I, you know, light some candles, if I, you know, sing a little bit while I'm cooking, what's going to make this more fun for me? You don't necessarily have to turn your life upside down. Um, it's, it's about really finding 
simple, convenient, but effective ways to bring more enjoyment and pleasure in your day to day. Um, so yeah, I love that. Yeah. And I think that w- the important point that I have really found that, um, you know, I, 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 I tell a lot of my clients about self-care and taking care of themselves and I, I get a lot of pushback and, and I'm sure you do too because it for especially for women because it, it seems way too decadent and they don't deserve it which drives me nuts the, the word deserve I mean <laughs> yeah yeah it's a very strong word but I think that you're right if you can find little ways to to really shift that mindset and find the pleasure in little things. It's not big extravagant things. It's the little things that make such a big difference. But what I have found is that um, I'm a goofball all the time. Um, I'm constantly playing music. I drive people nuts. Um, You know, I'm always being goofy. I actually just released my first feng shui course, which we were talking about yesterday on our call. But like my videos are ridiculous. They have funny music. I'm being, you know, a complete goofball in the videos. But what I realized is that um, and I have funny photos in there too, where I'm goofing off and, you know, like just things that I've done on my travels that I've, I've done that, but I know that are going to make people laugh. And the thing is, is that what I have found is that as I have learned to find the joy in the little things, it has really helped me to stay permanently in a more positive, uplifted mood. And I have found that people have said to me, well, one, they either say, what's wrong with you? Why are you so happy? Or two, they say, man, I just really enjoy being around you. You make me feel good. And so that to me is that going back to that sprinkling around of confetti. And so, but what it has done for on the bigger picture for me is it has allowed me to be in this higher state of consciousness where I have started attracting like-minded individuals around me and better circumstances and better opportunities and like life has unfolded for me in unimaginable ways and I think if you look at it from that point how you can really make your life better in a bigger way and really get out of the trenches of shame and guilt and selfish, you know, oh, I can't do that because it's selfish and I have all these shoulds that I should be doing, but really stopping long enough to ask yourself, well, why? Why can't you, you know, be a goofball? Why can't you listen to music? Why can't you open up your bottle of vanilla or even take five minutes to sit down and just kind of clear your head and take a few deep breaths and, you know, go about your day? Why can't you? And I Mm -hmm. think that a lot of women especially don't even think to stop and ask that question or stop to think about themselves. So I think that when you start thinking on, uh, and I think that's the problem too, is a lot of times they're just thinking about what's right in front of them. So Mm -hmm. it's too, Mm -hmm. it's too much work. It's too much overwhelm to think beyond that. And I totally get that. But I think that if you can think about bigger picture of how it's going to impact your life as a whole and uplift those around you, attract better opportunities in your life, slow your heart rate, heal your solar plexus, you know, and start to like calm your fight or flight response and get to this, you know, constant pleasure. Oh my gosh, what is that Mm -hmm. like, right? Like to actually be there all the time it's possible. (laughs) Exactly. And that's like, that's like the ultimate, right? It's, and that's possible. And I love your example, because life is supposed to be fun. Life is supposed to feel good. We are meant to be vibrantly healthy. And just because we haven't, 
you know, necessarily receive those messages, it doesn't mean we can't um, chart a new course for ourselves now. And so I love <clears throat> that you have given yourself that permission and how that shows up for you. You know, everything is better when we allow ourselves to feel good, to have fun, to enjoy life, not just our physical health, but certainly that's a big part of it. Well, and I think for women especially, and I, there might be some men out there that, that do this as well, but I know for sure um, I've seen a lot of women do it. But I, I think it really does come down to that permission and feeling okay with, you know, um, saying no. As Oprah yeah. always said, it is a complete sentence. Yes. But I think that um, being able to really, and this is the thing. Now, this is a secret, you guys, so listen. <laughs> when your chakras and your energy system are out of balance, you're not operating from that full tank and, and you can't um, stand in your power. When you are aligned and you are in balance and things are operating at a full tank, you can stand in your power and say no confidently because you know what is possible and you know how you want to feel. If you are stating it from a, this place of stress and overwhelm and shoulds and coulds and I have tos, you're not gonna be able to stand in your power because you're gonna fall right back into that place of guilt. But mm -hmm. if you are strong and powerful and you are energized and in balance, keyword, ding, 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 balance, <laughs> you have no problem saying no because for fear, of losing that enjoyment and how you feel because it is so damn good. When mm -hmm. you get there and you can fully embrace it, you're like, holy crap, what has taken me so long? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's really powerful. So my suggestions, and I'd be curious to see your thoughts on this, is that um, you know, smell, I think is a great one. I think going for a walk, I think so few of us actually get outside. We're either in our homes, in a car or in an office, uh, or, you know, your, your child's school. But I think getting outside is a great way to reconnect and, you know, uh, connect with nature. Um, I also recommend five minutes of meditation for people so that they can, you know, collect their thoughts and their, their, um, breath and then yoga because of breath. Um, what are some things that you recommend to the women that you work with, aside from smell and sound? Yeah, you know, I love your suggestions. Um, I just released a five-day pleasure challenge, and it's essentially an invitation for women to learn some of the very simple but very powerful strategies like the power of smell um, and be able to incorporate these strategies in very simple, convenient, you know, low to no cost ways um, in their day to day and receive all the benefits of that for themselves. Um, so that's, you know, absolutely something I'm, I'm happy to share with your audience. It's a free challenge. It's fun. And it really is designed for the busy woman. Wait, what um, is fun? So, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> what a concept, right? And where can they find that? Is that on your website right now? It is. If you go to kendallritzmd.com, um, it'll be either on the right-hand side or if you're on a device, you just scroll down and you'll see the five-day pleasure challenge. It's a free video series. 
and you can sign up and receive all the information. Like I said, it's free, it's fun, it's designed to be simple, convenient. Um, I think it's a great starting point. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that for everybody who's listening today, you know that I'm a huge advocate for self-care and giving back to yourselves. And um, I've given some recommendations over the years, but I do love this idea of um, Kendall putting in her uh, two cents and, and, you know, she's got the fancy title after her name. So, I mean, it must be true, <laughs> right? <laughs> you have to listen to the doctor. That's what mom always said. Oh boy! Um, so I would definitely recommend going over, hopping over on that, and I will be sure as well. Um, it'll take me um, a couple, maybe a week or so, to get this up, um, but I'll be sure to put a link at the bottom of the podcast as well on the on my website so that people can find that um, quickly and and get that. But I think what's what's really great about it is not to overcomplicate it. Super easy tips on there to do. Super easy things that you can do. Not no time constraints whatsoever. Um, but you know, just thinking about the the light at the end of the tunnel and and where you are now and where you could possibly be. Um, these tips can get you there, and I think that's what's really important. I think for anybody who's listening who is stressed out and in the trenches, this is something you're you're listening for a reason. You're here for a reason yes. because this message needs to to get to you. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add? I love that you're doing this pleasure challenge. I love that you're giving women permission to add this to their life and, and really telling them that it's okay to have pleasure in their life. Yeah, it's, it's a really, really, I feel important message. And what it all boils down to is what I love to say, feeling good matters most. And so really, it's, it's just get started. Just get started. I love it. Well, I want to say thank you so much. I knew that this hour was going to be like flying by because I knew <laughs> I was going to have. Um, it's funny, too, because when I put these podcasts together, if it's somebody that I don't know well, I might like put together some questions or stuff, you know, ahead of time so that I have a little bit of a loose outline. And I'm like... Oh my God, I'm not even going to bother because I know I'm just going to be able to talk for days with this girl and, and she's going to be able to, you know, I knew our language would be exactly the same. So I'm, but I'm thankful that you said yes to doing this and, and I'm thankful to be able to have this on the podcast because a lot of people need this and they need to start taking care of themselves in a more holistic way. I, stop complicating things. Yes. Yes. I love it. Well, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me on. I really, really enjoyed it. Yes. And, and like you, I can talk about this for hours and hours and days and days too. <laughs> so this was, this was fantastic. All right, Kendall. Well, thank you again for this. It was so great talking with you and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Likewise. Thanks, Amanda. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I think one of the greatest things that you can give to yourself is love. Because if you love yourself first, just like Eckhart Tolle talks about, everything else falls into place. If your compassion does not include you, if care does not include you, then you are incomplete. And I think that pretty much says it all. The greatest weapon that you have against stress and everything going on in your life is the ability to choose. So always choose you. You deserve it, I promise. Thanks, everyone. Bye for now.